Thank you for joining the Bevel Talk, Season 3, Episode 5. Pipe fabrication leader Team Industries has to stay on the cutting edge to go above and beyond for their customers. Learn how they use P91 and also discuss the future of pipe automation. Let's get right into it. Welcome back to Bevel Talk. Today, Tim Monday joins us from Team Industries to talk more about welding codes and standards, heating codes and standards, and just welding in general. Tim, thanks for joining us. Let's pick up again where we left off. We were talking about preheating on P91s and welding on P91s. How have you guys at Team Industries adapted and helped train your workforce and your customers in the changes in the industry with with light weighting and high-strength steels? Well, first of all, I I think uh, we had a huge tip-off as a result of uh, myself being involved with the code committee. We had actually started on uh, P91 before I was involved in code committee. And one of the things that we did is is a lot of homework. Before we ever got involved in P91, uh, we were talking with the manufacturers of uh, P91, a lot of their uh, white papers and technical data, as well as some of their technical experts, um, before we ever struck an arc. Um, we were talking a lot with those people. We probably went through a process that was six six months long, and then we developed some well procedures to go with that. And uh, basically looking at what what are the things that happen, what are the precautions that we need to take, and what, what are the detrimental effects of the heating. So all of that combination, certainly the manufacturer's experts helped us out a lot when we first got started. But one thing I can say about P91, do not treat it like regular chrome materials. <laughs> <laughs> I can second that. Don't do it. It will end poorly for you. Yeah. So how did you get that mentality into your welders in your shop? How were, were there training classes? Was there steps? I know you went through a process at team of, of researching and understanding, but how did you help educate the actual welders? Well, first of all, um, we have a very good working relationship with all of our welders. What we refer to as the wall between the office and the and the shop is pretty much non-existent. There's a lot of communication that happens back and forth. We rely a lot on the input from our welders to, to do the, the front-end work, but, but they also rely a lot on the information that we provide to them, whether it's through the experts from manufacturers or um, information that we've gleaned anywhere else. We share that with our welders. So that's a very important part. Uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, in this area... We happen to be in, in northeastern Wisconsin. We're fortunate that we have a very well-trained welder workforce. That That's not the case in all parts of the country. Uh, but for in this area, we, we seem to have exceptional training. One of the things that uh, Team Industries has done is, in the early days is implemented the fabricator program at the United Association Steam Fitters and Pipe Fitters. It was a, a, a huge benefit to team as well as any of the other fabricators that are in this area uh, because when we're dealing with a lot of the B311, B313, any, really any of the B31 codes, it's really important that they understand the requirements of the code as well as a lot of the different weld processes that are being used that you would use in a shop that you wouldn't necessarily use in the field. And so there's a lot of welding processes that lend themselves very well to the shop because you can set it up and it's a permanent station, and that's just not the luxury that you have in the field. So we, we've, we've looked at a lot of different technologies. If you think about the, the, the progression of what's happened over the last 10 years, I mean, I, I think, you know, one that comes forefront to my mind is just the waveform, right? So how you control the wave uh, when you're welding 
it's it's pretty amazing, uh, particularly when we're talking about uh, pulse, you know, sp- pulse spray, and uh, RMD. Right. So th- that's one of the biggest challenges when we come to pipe welding is the fact that we have an open route. Very often, um, you'll see a lot of automation that happens, and they've applied them, you know, in the automotive industry and all that stuff. All of them have backing, right? They're they're all either lap joints or they're they're fillet weld joints or something that has a backing. There's not very many that have open root. But when it comes to pipe welding, that's pretty much what you have to deal with most of the time. So the problem is, is uh, automation has a hard time adapting to the, the small, refined changes that you need to make in either movement or in voltage and amperage in order to adapt to tying in the edges of that root. And uh, the other thing is, is that a lot of the automated Robotic welding is an X-ray, and I would say that probably 50%, 60% of what we do is X-ray. And so to have an open route and X-ray quality in an automated weld is tough. We at TEAM have very high expectations on automated welding, and we have high expectations because we have good welders. If you're in an area where there isn't a lot of skill when it comes to welding, or it's limited, you know, I'm sure in all parts of the country, you're always going to have some expert welders. There's no question about that. It's a question of quantity. How many of those can you do? So um, there's a lot of places in the country where you're limited on that expertise. And so automation is a way to augment that. But when you have a lot of good welders and they all know what they're doing, it's hard to beat a, a welder. It's With any automation, it's hard to beat that because you have to... With a welder, I don't have to do any setup. All I could do is you could just start welding. But with a robot, you have all these setup things that you have to do, and you still have to monitor it, right? And typically, that's to be monitored by a skilled welder. It's very difficult to teach a robot intuition and experience in a joint, especially an open-butt joint. Yeah. So, and the technology is coming. I mean, I think that the technology is going to be here, my personal opinion is, five years. Maybe that's not going to happen. Uh, but, but what we're seeing is we're seeing uh, um, artificial intelligence is really, is really taking on a, a whole different avenue. And it's really limited by the monitoring, you know, the sensors that determine whether or not the robot is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And that limitation, once they get over that limitation, um, they're working on artificial intelligence that can read the puddle, understand what what uh, properties of a puddle make a flaw, and when they recognize that property in the puddle, they they compensate for it immediately. So uh, it's coming along. It's just it's going to take a while. I always uh, kind of think about welder training, and I think about it in these terms. If you think about a machinist, and if you go into any machine shop right now, every machine shop has CNC machines. And so you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find a machinist that doesn't know how to run a CNC machine. I think welding is going to be the same way. I think it's only a matter of time before the welder, although there's always going to be a need to be, have the manual dexterity, the understanding of putting in a weld, because there's going to be places where automation just isn't possible. But where it is possible, the welder's really going to have to understand how to work the machine as much as they know how to work the weld. Don't walk, weld. 
Every walk to the power source wastes time. Give welders the power to switch between TIG and stick processes at the weld joint with XMT350 Field Pro with Polarity Reversing System. See how at MillerWelds.com slash ArcReach. The industry is changing. Um, we're getting better at automation. We're getting smarter. We're getting faster. And welders and industry needs to be willing and able to adapt to that. As you're seeing automation, are you getting any pushback from your welders or your, your operators, or is it are they welcoming these changes because it's making their job easier? <laughs> I think the biggest pushback that we get from our welders right now is the fact that they say, well, I can do it faster. And, and right now, I, I would have to agree with them. They, they certainly can do it faster. Um, but again, we, we're drawing from a pool that has a lot of skill. And so if you're, if you're dealing with somebody that's a mediocre welder, and maybe they're a beginner welder, right? So they have the wherewithal to understand what's happening in the weld and all of that. But the manual dexterity maybe isn't where it should be. Automation helps them. And so that's a plus. So uh, I, I haven't seen a lot of pushback yet. But again, the technology hasn't proven itself with open root bots right. yet. Right. So I have a couple more questions for you. I want to talk a little bit about your career and, and some memories or some notable jobs or projects or some of your favorite jobs and projects that you've been involved in. Well, you know, early on, we were, we were involved in a lot of the uh, brewery industries. Matter of fact, we did a lot of work for Anheuser-Busch and Miller Brewing and um, Coors, all of the big brewers at the time. I mean, it's gotten considerably more diversified now. But uh, back then, we really had... Anheuser-Busch was at the top of the game, and, and they did the majority of the sales with regards to beer. Uh, so at the time, they were, they were looking at expansion, and they wanted to put in these, these modules, and they're matrix modules with all of these stainless steel valves that are all welded together. There was probably 320 matrix valves in a skid, and the skid was double-tiered. It, it was a huge difficulty in trying to weld all this stuff without putting all the distortion in all of these welds. So we had to devise jigs. We had to devise frames in order to get all this to work. It, it ended up um, working perfectly, and we got it installed, and it, and it, it worked great. You know? But it, it was uh, what we, we referred to as MOM, which is the mother of all modules, and it was, it was huge. Uh, it was probably took up uh, one of our bays, half the bay. And so it was shipped to the, the site in parts, and it was, it was really an interesting project to work on. It's, it sounds like it'd be really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Challenging and fun. Um, is there any other notable experiences that you'd like to share with our listeners? Or I, I guess just the, the, the industry in general has been, well, not, not only good to me, but it's kept in my interest. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it's one of those things where I debate whether I want to retire because it's uh, always changing. And so uh, I've always enjoyed not only the interaction with the people that I work with, but also with the people that are on the code committee and the people on PFI. All of them have their own expertise, and it's just just fun to have that that interaction with all of those different people. It's probably one of the more rewarding parts of my job. I agree. It it's ever changing. It's always adapting, and it's it's just fun to be part of it. Yeah. Is there one or two piece of, pieces of advice or nuggets of wisdom you'd want to share with industry or welders in general before we wrap up? I think one that comes to mind is always get involved 
always participate and, and volunteer where you can. And I know that that's, uh, that's hard to do sometimes in our busy lives. We have families that we have to take care of. And, but I tell you, it's really rewarding when you, when you volunteer. It, 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 it really opens up doors for you, future progression of your career, is to be able to volunteer and uh, participate in things that, that further the industry, but they also further you as an individual. They allow you to grow. And so I, I, can't, I can't stress enough how important it is to go to school where you need to, get, get the expertise where you need to, the education where you need to, but volunteer because that volunteering, that, that participation into those um, volunteer organizations like ASME or Pipe Fabrication Institute or AWS, the reward comes in the fact that you just grow personally but on a professional level. So, uh, and it just allows you to, to get exposure to different areas that you never even thought of that you might want to grow into. I mean, welding is so diversified. You, you could go in many, many different directions, and you only get exposed to that when you volunteer and you, you, you get put out of your comfort zone and did something else. Very important. I would have to agree with that. Tim, thanks for joining us. We've really appreciated talking with you. Join us next time on Bevel Talk.